Hello, and welcome to the Keepers of the Flame podcast. This is a show to shine a light into the darkness, to empower women, their support networks, and our communities to weather breast cancer, because together we weather the storm. But on this ocean, every wave brings you closer to home. Welcome back to Keepers of the Flame podcast. I'm Joyce Williams, your host, and this is episode number 41, Lymphedema, with physical therapist and lymphedema expert, Corey Turley. Y'all, when diagnosed with breast cancer, often our first thought is to cut it out. Get it out of me and get it out of me now. And rightfully so. I was right there. And if I had to walk this darn path again, I would be the exact same way. We sail off onto this journey to rid our bodies of this awful disease. Treatments can, of course, vary from one patient to the next, but they can include things like surgery, chemo, radiation, and so on. Side effects can, of course, accompany any treatment. And today we're going to talk about more of one of these specific side effects called lymphedema. What exactly is that? Why does it happen? Who is at risk? And what can you do about it to lessen your risk? To help us better shine a light on this topic, we are once again calling in the experts. Today, we have with us the lymphedema specialist, a professional who knows what she's talking about in this regard. Her name is Corey Turley. Corey is a physical therapist certified by the Lymphology Association of North America, and she practices in Savannah at the Anderson Cancer Institute at Memorial Health University. As always, we are not here to diagnose or to give you your own personal medical direction. We are just here to simply shine a light more on this issue, on lymphedema, so that you are better armed with information and knowledge to take to your own providers. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to let everybody know about lymphedema. I think it's an important topic that people need to be a little bit more mindful of, so I'm I'm glad to be doing this podcast episode with you today. Before we can dive in and talk about what lymphedema is, people need to have a better understanding about what the lymphatic system is, because we hear about lymph nodes and that kind of thing, and it all relates, but people maybe don't necessarily know how and why. So what's just the brief background? What is the point of the lymphatic system? Your lymphatic system works with your immune system. It helps filter out things that you don't need, like bacteria. It also works with your vascular system, helping the blood be more nutrient-rich, pulling water out of the blood. Basically, sort of gets rid of all the waste products in your body. It's like the cleanup crew. Yes, exactly. So if I have an infection or if I get a cut on my arm or something, the lymphatic system is part of that system that helps clean things up. Right. So you have young children. So if you know they have a sore throat, you feel their throat, you feel around their neck. If you feel something enlarged, that's a lymph node doing its job. It's help filtering out whatever is infecting them and making them sick. Some people might hear lymphedema and they think, oh, I don't have to worry about that. I have, I, I was diagnosed with, say, breast cancer. And so that's what I need to focus on. I don't need to worry about that. That's some, some other thing, right? But it relates. Tell us why does it relate? Well, sort of the textbook definition of lymphedema is an abnormal accumulation of lymphatic fluid in a body part where the lymphatic system has been damaged. So anyone who has a lymph node removed for whatever reason, if it's cancer or an infection 
or something odd is going on in their body and the doctors are trying to figure out what's going on, you're putting yourself at risk for lymphedema. It is an unfortunate side effect of the cancer treatment. So when you have lymph nodes removed, you're decreasing your body's capacity to filter out fluid. Right. I just want to interject there for people that maybe that people that are just now joining us. If you're diagnosed with cancer, there are several different treatments and one of them is surgery. And so in surgery, there's two different kinds. You can have a lumpectomy or a mastectomy. And whether or not lymph nodes are removed or not is kind of, you know, up to what's happening with your personal body and your doctor would go over all that with you. For me, they did a um, sentinel node biopsy and they did that during surgery and they did it to see which nodes were most likely affected. And so that's how they determined which ones were actually removed for me for my surgery. And the number of lymph nodes that are removed kind of, again, depends on one patient to the next. How many lymph nodes are there under the arm? Everyone has a range, so anywhere from like 10 to 24. So you have six to 700 throughout your body. So 10 to 24 doesn't sound like a huge number when you think about all the lymph nodes in your body. But the ones in your armpit take care of all the fluid that's in your arm and over to half of your chest and over to your sternum or your breastbone, and then also in your back. So they drain almost a quarter of your body. So they do a very significant job. So then the more lymph nodes that you have removed, the more susceptible you are to developing lymphedema. Yes, that's correct. And so you mentioned you had a sentinel lymph node biopsy as opposed to an axillary lymph node dissection, which is typically more involved where they would remove almost all the lymph nodes based on your cancer diagnosis, what's going on in your body. Everyone is unique, but they typically try to remove less. So then that decreases your um, risk for lymphedema. Your risk. So that's a question that, that women are going to need to have with their own providers. Okay, what is my cancer? What are my risks? What am I up against? How does this relate with my surgery? Am I going to have the sentinel biopsy or am I going to have the, what's the other one called? An axillary lymph node dissection. So they okay. remove all the lymph nodes. When they remove all of them. And, and, and sometimes, in some cases, that is what they need. It's just dependent on their cancer and their individual case. Right. And even, you know, discussing it with your surgeon prior to surgery is important, but once the surgeon gets into your body, they may see something that looks more suspicious and need to take more than initially planned. And, you know, that is all for your well-being and to remove the cancer and the spread of cancer. So those are conversations that you have with your surgeon. Yes. But knowing now what the lymphatic system does and that the lymph nodes are part of it, and the whole reason why they're looking at the lymph nodes, in case I haven't made this clear, is because you don't want cancer cells to get to the lymph nodes. Because if they get to the lymph nodes, that's like the hot button train station where they can travel anywhere in the body. So we want those looked at. We want to make sure cancer is not there. So have those conversations with your surgeon. But after they are removed in your in your recovery or, or, or where, whenever in this journey of yours, the risk for lymphedema can happen, as you said, depending on the number of lymph nodes removed. What then is lymphedema? So lymphedema is, you know, it can be swelling, it can be discomfort, it can be numbness. After surgery, depending on how aggressive or how involved your surgery was, you may have limited range of motion in your shoulder or your chest, and that's part of the recovery process. But you also have a reduced capacity to move lymphatic fluid. So taking certain precautions are important. And hopefully, you know, everyone is told this prior to surgery and usually afterwards again is, so you want to avoid any um, unnecessary skin openings like cuts and scratches, bug bites. 
If you go to get manicures, you want to ask them not to cut your cuticles on the side that you had surgery. And the reason for that is any opening in the skin is an avenue for infection. So you go back to the lymphatic system working with your immune system. Because you've reduced the number of lymph nodes in that part of your body, your immune system response is reduced. So you're more likely to get an infection than you would anywhere else in your body. If you got a mosquito bite on your foot and scratched it, it got a little red, a little irritated, your body's natural immune system is going to take care of that. In the arm that's affected by the lymphedema or with the reduced number of lymph nodes, your immune response is going to be slower. If there's any bacteria, it could stay around longer and cause a more involved infection that would require antibiotics, even hospitalization if it's severe. Right. So all the things that you talked about there, those are risk reduction strategies to try to to prevent this from developing right. in the first place. And, and as you mentioned about basically protecting the skin so that it doesn't get punctured, so that you don't get those infections, so that you're not having to make your lymphatic system work on overdrive or whatever. Right. And a couple other factors, you know, it kind of comes into play again, avoiding any opening in the skin is no IVs, no shots, if you can avoid it on that arm. And so we typically, you know, recommend that you get IVs, blood draws, shots in the unaffected arm, or on those cases where women are affected on both sides, we recommend if you can get them in your legs. And okay, that's that's huge right there. Right. I had heard that. I had that little bug planted in my ear. And when you're diagnosed with cancer, you're dealing with so many things. Like something, sometimes some of the information might fall through the cracks or whatever. And that's why it's important that you go to your provider with somebody else there and take your little notebook and do go back home and do your research. Listen to these podcasts, people, <laughs> so that you know more um, about, about them and how to protect yourself. But I had that little bug in my ear about not having anybody take blood on that side. So I mine was my right side. So I always like try to hide my right arm from people. And this brings me to one of my questions is, so, okay, so people would take blood on my, my left arm, whatever. But then I had to have chemo, and they recommended me getting a port. Is it recommended that the port be placed on the opposite side? I am not that familiar as far as, you know, why a port is placed right or left. In my experience with the patients I've treated, it's typically on the opposite side of treatment, just mm-hmm. because that side is already involved with surgery, right. recovery, and so less trauma to that side is better. Yeah. But sometimes patients, the state of their veins or other medical issues might dictate that they have their port on the same side. So that's a question that whoever is putting in the port, that's just something that you want to have that conversation with them. Say, hey, I heard not to have anybody draw blood on this side. Is this an actually ask them, is this an issue for me? Why or why not? And actually have that conversation. Where the port is located, it's actually not in the area of the lymph nodes that are drained on that quadrant. So even if a port is on the same side as your surgery, that's more beneficial than not having a port where they have to do blood draws all the time. And but that's a good point. You might have a vein on your unaffected arm that's not good and they have a difficult time drawing things. So having a port is helpful during treatment that hopefully minimizes the amount of times you get stuck in your arms right. and having... Um, oh, I was a big fan of my... I mean, I'm not a big fan of my port because I was not a big fan of having chemo and I did not like getting stuck. But it sure as heck beat having to have that um, IV placed in every you know, right. time that I went. Okay, so continuing on with skincare, and I would imagine then, you had mentioned, you know, nail care, so not cutting cuticles and stuff on that side. I kind of stopped going to have manicures done on that. I'm like, I'll take care of it myself. Thank you very much. But then other things, like you, you mentioned, um, you know, bug bites. So ways to help reduce that would be 
wear insect repellent. And then what about wearing sunscreen and stuff so to prevent yourself from getting burned and chafed and chopped? Would that come into play as well? Right. So you want to avoid extreme temperatures, either hot or cold. We don't, luckily here in Savannah, we don't have to deal with extreme cold, but people who live in northern areas that, you know, frostbite is a risk. You want to protect yourself with that. The sun, you want to avoid the sun during the heat of the day, which everyone should anyway to protect themselves from skin cancer. But, you know, sitting under an umbrella, protecting the skin with sunscreen. Another, you know, well moisturizing your skin. So if your skin is well moisturized, it's not going to be dry, less likely to, you know, get a paper cut or to bump it on a car door and, and get a scratch or an opening. For prevention, you know, In Savannah, it's impossible to avoid bug bites almost. So wearing bug repellent, you know, trying to avoid those times of the day where the mosquitoes and the sayonets are out, wearing long sleeves. If you like to be outside and garden, wear gloves to protect your skin. Right. Those are good points. And then if something happens, so if you get scratched or paper cut or whatever, and you weren't able to prevent that from happening, first steps, make sure you clean it really well. Exactly. If you can't get to soap and water, have hand sanitizer, alcohol wipes in your purse or your bag or your car. So until you can get to soap and water to clean that area, that will hopefully prevent some bacteria. And just watch it. You know, does it look like it's changing colors? Is it getting more infected than just a basic scratch that should heal in a couple of days? If you start to notice those signs, you want to call your doctor, ask for an antibiotic, or have your physician see you to see if it is getting infected. To see what all is actually going on. When you were talking about extreme temperatures, what that would come into play with um, saunas and hot tubs as well, right? Exactly. I usually tell my patients, you know, if you have your own personal hot tub and you can lower the temperature, it's fine to get in probably from the waist down and minimize your time with your arms under the water if it's warm. Saunas, definitely, you know, that's the idea for sauna is that you're sweating, you're getting out toxins. Well, you're sweating and you're elevating your body temperature, so more fluid is being produced in your body. Someone with lymphedema or someone who's at risk for lymphedema who's had lymph nodes removed, they have a difficult time handling what fluid is there on a regular basis or just at rest. And so when you overload the system by producing more fluid, that stresses the lymphatic system out and can cause swelling. Taking this all in, when... When are women at risk? Is it is it immediately following surgery? Is it a month later, five months later, their whole life? Are they at risk now if they've had them removed? Um, unfortunately, you're at risk forever. So, you know, taking these protocols and these precautions into effect needs to be for, you know, you need to be in charge of that forever. So, you know, 10 years after your cancer, you're at your regular doctor, you're not doing follow-ups with your oncologist or your radiation oncologist or your surgeon. The person in that office may not remember that you've had breast cancer on the right side and just go to start taking blood or taking your blood pressure. And you need to be the advocate to say, no, I need to do the left arm to protect myself. Definitely being your your own advocate there. And then I want to focus more a little bit on what you said just now about the blood pressure. So why that? So we talked about avoiding any openings in the skin. Your lymphatic system is very superficial. So wearing tight, restrictive clothing having a blood pressure cuff, that can damage those vessels that are still present, not necessarily the lymph nodes, but the vessels that lead to the lymph nodes that are still in your arm and working. We want to protect them and not damage them. So wearing tight jewelry or a tight elastic sleeve that leaves an indentation in your arm is not recommended. Blood pressures, we recommend that you take in the unaffected side. Mm-hmm. Again, know. sit on that arm, people. <laughs> you know, again, if those women that have both arms involved or both arms at risk, you can have a blood pressure taken in the ankle. There oh, I didn't a, know that. A little different procedure and not everyone's comfortable doing that. But what I tell patient is, you know, if you have to have it done in your arm, have a manual. Try not to use one of the automatic 
blood pressure cuffs because they're not comfortable for anyone. (laughs) They get very tight. And so, you know, having a manual cuff done, it's a shorter period of time, hopefully not as tight. Right. So then other, like, everyday things, maybe not wearing, like you said, the tight clothing and stuff. Like an elastic sleeve. Okay, elastic sleeve. Or um, what about, like, purses on that arm? Should they... If you're having some pain and weakness, you probably want to use the other arm or you can use a crossbody. So then that sort of evenly distributes the weight. It's not on either shoulder. Right. right. Okay. That's, that's a good point right there too. Going back here, is there a cure at all for it? Or is it just something, the goal being risk reduction and then trying to make it as less of a pain in the rear as possible if you do develop it? So lymphedema is a chronic progressive disease. If you do nothing, it does not get better. It can continually get worse. It is not curable. So once the damage has been done to your system, it's always going to be done. You don't regenerate lymph nodes or lymphatic vessels. It can be treated and can be managed and you can continue to do what you want to do in your life with some activity modifications if you have a severe case, but it is something that you will have to manage lifelong. So are there any risk reduction activities that could help lessen the odds of developing lymphedema? Years ago, women were told not to do exercises, not to do anything repetitive, because that would you know, bring on lymphedema. That has been proven wrong. Regular exercise, maintaining full range of motion, good strength in your arm and your upper body and your whole body is important because that is important to risk reduction. You know, if you've had surgery and you, know, you have lifting precautions, for a few weeks after that, mm-hmm. you go back to lifting what you lifted before and you haven't strengthened that arm or strengthened your body, you can injure yourself. So it's important to get on a regular exercise program. Pay attention to your arm. If you're doing something, you know, if you're running outside in the heat of the day, then you need to pay attention. Is your arm swelling? Is your hand getting tight? And then we might you know, need to change your activity time, run inside on a treadmill or run earlier in the day or later in the evening when it's cooler. If you're lifting weights, you want to start with a you know low weight, high repetition. And again, monitor your swelling, monitor how you feel. I'm glad to hear you say that because I know that for me, I was like, I don't want lymphedema, right? Like I heard stuff about that. I don't want that. But then I'm like, okay, I was always so afraid of doing weight bearing. I'm like, I'm a runner. I'm going to run, 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 run. And then the people are like, Harry, you want to do some yoga? And I'm like, well, maybe. And then I, so, so I started building myself up in gradually. And I guess my question to you is, that's okay. Yoga is great. You're stretching. You're actually incorporating a lot of breathing. Your largest lymphatic vessel goes right through your diaphragm. So deep breathing that you do in yoga is important. It's helping stimulate your system, get things working. It's also improving your strength and flexibility, which is important. You know, if you're not able to move your arm because of restrictions from radiation or surgery, that means your lymphatic flow is not moving and that puts you at risk. So the more flexible, the more strong, the more normal range of motion that you have, that is better for your risk. So the idea is exercise is good. Even weight bearing is good, but to not jump in way in the deep end, but to build yourself up gradually. Just like you're an athlete who's had an injury, you know, if you sprained your ankle, you broke a bone or had some type of injury, you wouldn't just go back after your rest and recovery period to what you were doing before that. You'd want to build your time back up, build your strength level back up, build your tolerance back up. You're not going to go run a marathon without training for it. Good point. Good point. Does weight and obesity then increase the risk of developing lymphedema? There are more studies now that showing being obese does increase your risk. Okay. Another sort of risk reduction that is sort of, I wouldn't say controversial, but it's if you don't have lymphedema, but you're at risk for lymphedema, if you fly or air 
fly by air travel, you um, might want to wear a compression sleeve, a light compression sleeve. The reason for that is atmospheric pressure is less on a plane than it here, it's here on Earth. Everybody swells a little bit. That's why they tell you not to take your shoes off on a long flight because you won't be able to put them on when you land because your feet have swollen. If you're at risk for swelling, chances are you might have a problem with that on an airplane. So those, those sleeves that you're talking about, not just necessarily for people that have developed lymphedema, but for people that are at risk. Yes. So anybody that may have had lymph nodes removed might be worth considering doing that. Right. Good to know. I got a flight coming out. <laughs> and I'll do a little, go buy me a and, sleeve. And so, that, you know, if you haven't really been diagnosed, do you really need to buy it? If you're taking a long flight, I would definitely yeah. recommend it. You can do exercises on the plane, just like they tell people who are at risk for blood clots who are flying. You get up, walk around, do some calf exercises. Right. You can do the same thing with your arm. Reach up like you're going to hit the flight attendant button and stretch your arm, kind of keep moving. Tell me a little bit about these compression garments. What exactly are they? Where can people find them? So compression garment, compression is a one of the major steps if you have lymphedema as far as maintenance and keeping everything under control. There are several brands out there now. They they make them in every color you can imagine. Tie-dyed, you can get patterns that look like butterflies, tattoos, flowers. I heard you could get tattoo ones. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> they are, you know, medical grade. If you see athletes playing, they have a lot of compression sleeves on. That's not what someone needs for lymphedema. You need a lymphedema sleeve. It's a gradient compression, so it's designed to promote fluid going back up into your system versus, you know, just restricting the flow. Okay. And so they can find them. Do they just go to like Google is, do they go like, how would they? It's probably better to be fitted correctly by um, a DME. There are a few places that sell compression garments as part of their business. Once you know the size that you require, there are some places you can buy online, but it's best to be measured by someone who knows what they're doing. So you don't get one that's too tight or that's too loose. Right. Most insurances, private insurances, will cover some. Unfortunately, Medicare and Medicaid do not cover compression sleeves. That's all very interesting. So I didn't, I didn't even think about how you would have to get fitted for that, but that makes perfect sense. You want it to be like, what is it, Goldilocks kind of, kind of size there, right. right? You don't want it to be too hot, too cold, too loose, if it's too tight. If it's too tight, it can cause damage and actually cause lymphedema or you know exacerbate your symptoms if it's too big it's not doing any good and if you're already swelling you're going to swell into that size and you don't want to do that right that's an excellent point i'm glad that you said that so they can find those places if they don't necessarily know a certified person to do the sizing and to sell these garments i would say first up go talk to your provider and say hey where can you point me in the right direction? Right. And for, you know, insurance to cover this, a physician's order is helpful. Okay. So let's say that lymphedema does develop. You mentioned the compression garments and that we know that there's not a cure so that there's therapy for lymphedema. What, what all does that entail? So the standard of care for treatment of lymphedema is called complete decongestive therapy. It's a four-step process. The first is manual lymph drainage, which is like a massage. You're stimulating the healthy lymphatics that are still in your body and sort of rerouting that fluid so it gets processed. The second step is compression. Um, When patients are in treatment, you don't want to measure for a sleeve if they're really swollen because... Hopefully with therapy, that arm is going to be reduced in size, so that sleeve will no longer fit. So for temporary compression, we do a multi-layer compression bandage. It has foam and cotton, different types of bandages to keep the fluid from reaccumulating in that arm. And then the third step is the skincare precautions that we've already talked about, trying to avoid any unnecessary cuts and scratches, any restriction, tightness. 
And then the fourth step is what we call decongestive exercises. These are different than your regular exercises to stay fit and to stay healthy. These are muscle pump exercises that just help with the swelling. You can be done while you're sitting in a traffic light. They can be done while you're watching TV at night. They're very simple. They're not strenuous. They shouldn't hurt. They're just sort of to supplement everything else that we've done. Right. What would be the frequency of treatment? Ideally, when someone comes in, we would do evaluation. We'll measure both limbs to see exactly what's going on swelling-wise, assess range of motion, strength, if there's any deficits, which can be common with surgery. And just, you know, fatigue and weight loss from chemotherapy and other treatments. Patients have not been as active, so we want to, you know, get you back to your best self. And then we would recommend two to three times a week, sort of in the intensive first intensive phase. And then once the limb is reduced, you get into your compression garment that you wear every day. Then you might come maybe once a week, once a month, just to kind of monitor, make sure you're able to maintain the gains that you've made in therapy on your own. Okay, so this is a lot to take in, so I'm going to kind of try to recap real quick, and let me see if I get it all straight. So, somebody's diagnosed with breast cancer, they got to go in and they got to have their treatments, whatever they are for their unique cancer. One of those treatments is surgery, or could be surgery, and with that could be the removal of lymph nodes. That's where we ding, 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 cue in here with lymphedema is because they are part of that lymphatic system, which we talked about at the beginning, is that cleanup crew trying to rid your body of infection. And you don't get new lymph nodes, so once they're gone, you you know, you just really need to protect your body to avoid getting this condition that we're talking about, lymphedema, which is that swelling that results when that system's not able to clean up it all like it used, once used to do. And since there's no cure for that, there are those risk reduction strategies that you talked about, preventing the NICs, the constriction, and building yourself up slowly. And then also, like, if you get it, this is the therapy of how to try to maintain it. Is there anything else about lymphedema in general that you want to make sure women out there know? Well, you don't want to wait, you know, to you have sausage looking fingers to do something about it. If your arm feels funny, feels heavy, it feels numb, just doesn't feel quite right, or maybe your shoulder, your sleeve of your shirt isn't going quite well. Um, people notice this more in the winter when they're putting on coats and more layers, like, oh, this feels a little tight on this arm. That is when you want to initiate therapy. Go to your physician. It can be your primary care physician. It can be your oncologist, your surgeon, your radiation oncologist. Get a referral to a lymphedema therapist to initiate treatment. It is more successful treatment the earlier we start. And so would that be like just kind of a feeling, not necessarily, hey, I don't see that it's swelling, but just something feels off? Yes. Okay. And some of that can be a side effect of the surgery. You know, anytime you have surgery, you're cutting through skin, you're potentially cutting nerve endings and blood vessels. So sensation can be awkward as you're healing. But you know, if it's several months out or a year out or several years out and something just doesn't feel right, you want to get checked out. And I think that's important what you said right there is just kind of to bring it back into people's frame of mind here to recognize that this isn't necessarily something immediately after surgery. It can, it's something that you need to be aware of for, for your whole life. You need to take care of your body and make sure that you're paying attention to it. Right. Probably the longest distance from surgery to diagnosis was 40 years in a patient. Whoa. She had other surgeries that probably triggered the lymphedema, but she had managed it for 40 years. Wow. Which is pretty amazing. Some people get it, you know, right after surgery. Some people get it years later. Right. And then some people don't get it. And some people don't get it, which is wonderful. Right. Okay. I want to end with my all-time favorite question that I ask everybody because, again, it hits at the heart of what my purpose is here, trying to make sure that people don't feel like they're alone in in this journey. 
What's one thing after this episode that you want women to walk away from this podcast episode knowing if they were seeing diagnosed today or tomorrow? Be your own advocate. You know your body better than anybody. If you notice something different or something feels not quite right or you need to investigate and push to get someone to look at it and figure out what's going on. That is very good advice. Very good advice. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We are very blessed to have you. And I think I know I know I've learned a lot from this episode today. So hopefully other women out there are, are taking notes. So Well, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And thanks again to all y'all at home listening. Remember, information is meant to empower us, not cripple us. So arm yourself with your own set of questions. Be your number one advocate and learn new things. Understand stuff like lymphedema and how it could be applicable to you and to your own journey through cancer and survivorhood. Hopefully after listening to today's episode, you are a little bit more prepared with how to be proactive and reduce your own risk in terms of lymphedema. I look forward to speaking with you guys again next week. Until then, remember that together we weather this storm. You are never alone.